0: Welcome to this message from Shuffle Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His word being preached.
1: So who of you here have ever been in a desert? Standing in a desert, looking around, seeing nothing but sand? Well, there's quite a few here. But if it's not everybody, this, this whole analogy of mine is not going to work. So what I want you to do is maybe, so just close your eyes. Just close your eyes for a moment. And then imagine you're on a beach. Everybody's been on a beach before. Okay, now imagine you're on a beach, and you're looking out over the ocean. Can you see the water? It's, it's like never-ending. As far as your eye can see, it's just water. Now take that water and make it sand. Can you see it's, it's brown? You know, it's, it's everywhere. Now turn around. And you look up at all those beautiful houses on the seafront and all the fine boats, and all that amazing stuff. And imagine it's all gone and it's just sand and the dunes. So basically you're standing and everywhere you look, you see sand. Now take these grains of sand and turn them into rocks. Now about the size of a golf ball, but sharp edged rocks. Now and you can feel the heat of the sun coming down on you, you can hear the heat. There's nothing. There's not even zombies. There's nothing. Okay, you can open your eyes now. Everybody got that? So when I refer to wilderness today, that is the picture I want you to have in mind. Now, now I'm not going to take all of you in a blink of an eye and we're going to sit there. So what I'm going to talk about is just like it's an emotional wilderness, a spiritual wilderness. Now, the message this morning I want to to share with you is the survival guide to the wilderness. And this is not a survival guide that, you know, you have in your book rock on the shelf somewhere that, that you know, doesn't mean anything to you like me reading a survival guide for the Antarctic. Chances are I'm never going to see the Antarctic. You know, this survival guide is something that every one of us we'll have to use once in our lives, and most of us, more than once. So this is something that you really need to sit now, focus, take in, because you will be using this at some stage in your life. It's a survival guide to the wilderness. So if we look back in the Bible, we can see that all the main players that we see in the Bible, had some sort of wilderness experience bringing them to the place where they could operate from. We can see it from starting from Abram. You know, God telling to Abram, Okay, Abram, I see that you have have a nice setup going here. But take all of this stuff. Take your wife, take your cattle, take everything. I have a new place for you. So Abram had to move through the wilderness in order to get to the new place where God has, you know, in mind for him. You see it with Moses growing up in Egypt. He was the prince of Egypt. He was the main man. You know? And then something happened and he killed an Egyptian and he had to flee into the wilderness again for fear for his life. fleeing to the wilderness. We see this with Elijah you know, running away from Jezebel sitting in the wilderness under a tree feeling very sorry for himself. So that's his wilderness experience. We see it with King David fleeing away from Saul, living in caves, living in the wilderness because fear of his life. So you can see all of these people had a wilderness experience. You see with John, John the Baptist, he lived in the wilderness. He fed off locusts and wore goatskin clothes. You know, he was there. Even Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. So we can see from the Bible, and if we know that history repeats itself, every one of us at some stage in our lives will have a wilderness experience. It's something that cannot be avoided. It's like the springboks playing the All Blacks. You know, it's going to happen every year. No matter how much they dread playing the All Blacks, no matter how painful it is going through that, it will happen. So the same thing for us. We will have these wilderness experiences in our lives. But then we stand back and say, Mara, why? You know, what, why do we need to go through all of this pain? Why is the wilderness so important in our lives? What is the purpose of this? And the main thing I could think about is why we need the wilderness is if you don't have the wilderness experience, you will never experience or you'll never appreciate the time of abundance as much, you know, when you're walking in this like an oasis and there's water flowing and there's fruits on the trees, you'll never experience, you'll never appreciate that as much if you haven't gone through a wilderness experience. So let's just see what happens in the wilderness. Now, if, if, let's start with when, This happens. You know, if we look through the Bible and all these guys that I mentioned to you that went through the wilderness experience, this wilderness experience came on the back of something amazing that happened. You know, something spectacular happened and they ended up in the wilderness. Let's take Israel, for example. You know, they were just rescued out of Egypt. They saw God smite the Egyptians with 10 plagues to such a degree that Pharaoh said, Just go. I don't want to see you again. Just go. Then going away, walking through the sea, turning back, seeing God, wiping away the Egyptians once again, coming to Mount Sinai, experiencing God in the cloud. Man, they must have been in such a high. And the next day, they went into the desert, into the wilderness. We see it with King David. Samuel came to his house saying, you are the next king of Israel. I anoint you to be the next king of Israel. Saul got wind of this a couple of years later, and and he started chasing him away, you know. And he fled for fear of his life into the wilderness. An anointed king fleeing into the wilderness for his life. We see this with Elijah. You know, he just had this amazing victory. God sent fire from heaven coming down, burning up the offering, taking you know, all the water that was there, leaking all of that water up, slaughtering 450 of Baal prophets. You know, God gave them the ability to outrun a chariot on his way home. You know, old man tucking his robe into his belt and outrunning a chariot. Only to come there in Jezebel saying, if you're not dead by tomorrow, I might as well be dead. So the next day, after that amazing victory, he found himself sitting under that tree. You know, we even see it with Jesus. You know, Jesus was baptized just then. The heavens opened up. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. God himself spoke out of him and saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the next thing we see is that he's been led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So this is unavoidable for us to go into the wilderness. But what happens in the wilderness You know, in the wilderness, because of its severity and because of the fact that it is the wilderness, we will get tested because we are out of our comfort zone. We're not in the place that we feel comfortable, and we will get tested. So there's three main areas that we will get tested, and it's mentioned in John 1 John 2 verse 16. It says, For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. So you see there's three areas in which we will get tasted once we are in the wilderness. It's the lust of the flesh, you know, that thing that you you just want it, you know. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, looking at something. Yes, this is so beautiful. You know, it's got all the right curves and all the right horsepower and all of that fun stuff. You know, that's that's lust of the the lust of the eyes. You just if you look at it, you just feel like whoa. Huh? And then comes pride of life saying, Yes, this is mine. Look how amazing I am. This is mine. I did this. And I can do it all by myself. You know, we spoke on Wednesday night with Trevor and, and, and Auntie Sharon was at our small group. And uh, there's a concept that they teach the kids at at, um, at Children's Bible or whatever, what's happening now there, with the kids... <laughs> And, and, it's, and what happened was, is the kids come there and they talk about, I'm so fantastic and I'm the fastest and on the best and so on. They say that you have a serious case of I-Isis. <laughs> now we, we need to get the antidote for that I-Isis. You know, that pride saying it's me and I and I'm fantastic. That's called I-Isis. So we need to get rid of this. So coming back to the three things that we get tested in. And it's, it's not something new that the devil things up every time. It's something that's been happening from the get-go. Now, we see this with Adam and Eve when they were in the Garden of Eden. You know, they saw this fruit, and they wanted this fruit. You know, that lust of the flesh. They wanted to have this because it's beautiful and it's fantastic. The lust of the eyes come through there. And then they ate it because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to have that knowledge. They wanted to say, I am good enough. I don't need anybody else. And that's the pride of life. And they failed that test. Looking at Israel, just before they go into the promised land. Now, they were standing there on the banks of the Jordan River. They sent out these spies. They came back. And these guys were petrified. Two guys said, yes, we can do this. They know God. They have experience of God. But the other guy said, have you seen that place? Now, have you seen the people there? They're massive. You know, that lust of the eyes, the fear that what you see installs inside of you. Have you seen these people? You know, Um Yeah, and and the lust of the flesh, that that whole mission for self-perseverance. We're not going to go there. We're going to get slaughtered. You know, I want to preserve myself. The flesh is important. And then they rebelled against God saying, there's no way that we're going to go in there to get slaughtered. There's no way that you can provide for us to go in there. We're scared. We might as well go back to Egypt. You know, we're going to go back to Egypt. And that was every time. This is a reoccurring thing for these Israelites. Every time when things get a little bit hard, no, 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 no. No, let's go back to Egypt because we know what's going on there. That is our comfort zone. doesn't matter how hard it is. That is our comfort zone. There's a saying that says you can take the slave out of Egypt, but you cannot take Egypt out of the slave. And that is what happened to them. It was their lack of trust in God that made them wander around in the desert some more. They failed this test. They failed on all three of those tests. And God let them wander around the desert for 40 years, for one whole generation, until all the Egypt was out of the slave. And then they were ready to go in. Now we see Jesus' temptation. I'm just going to read this portion in Luke 4, verse 1 to 12. We see, uh, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Now, who knows, if you're not eating for 40 days, you might be hungry. Okay. Yes. <laughs> he, was, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, eat is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So we see, this is lust of the flesh. You know, take this bread, take these stones and make them bread. You know, it's something you want. It's something you think you need, that lust of the flesh. And Jesus sent him away. And then the devil led him up a high place and showed him on the instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. As it's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus, the devil took him up and showed him all these beautiful kingdoms, you know, lust of the eyes. Showing all this amazing stuff. And Jesus said, you know, that's not for me. And then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. He will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. We see this is the pride thing coming again. Jump off this thing and you will be protected because you are amazing. You know, You are so special that God will send his angels to protect you. He spoke to the vanity there. And then Jesus said to him, you know, don't put your Lord God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until that opportune time. So we see here that Jesus was tempted on all three bases as well. And he succeeded. He passed the test. He was the first person and the only person ever to have passed this taste so now we see that we cannot avoid the wilderness you know and we cannot overcome it by ourselves it's just not possible we need we need to look to jesus to give us the ability to get through this wilderness and how stupid do we th- Are we to think we can do it on ourselves? You know, it's like trying, if I decide I want to climb Mount Everest, but I'm going to do it all by myself. I'm not going to speak to anybody that climbed it before. I'm not going to, you know, find out what gear I need, what the risks are, all of that sort of stuff, because I can do it on my own. It's the same thing. We can tap into the information that Jesus has because he had conquered it already. There has been guys on Everest that know what to look out for. And it's stupid to think that you can do it by yourself. You need to tap into that. And more often than not, it's our lack of trust in God that keeps us in in our wilderness. It's the fact that we trust on other stuff for provision, for protection, that keeps us in our wilderness, that keeps us away from our promised land. And we will circle in this wilderness day in and day out until we get it right that we need to trust in God. We need to humble ourselves and say, it is not me. I cannot do this by myself. We need to get our flesh, our eyes, and our pride in line with God's plan for our lives. So if we want to succeed, and part of a a survival guide is setting you up with the right tools you need in order to get the job done. So in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 to 13, Paul writes and says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. That's the pride coming in there. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So you see, the first thing here, the first tool that we get is humility. We need to obtain that humility so we don't stand on ourselves you know, having that ISIS take hold of us. But we need to get humility and understand that we cannot do this on our own. And then he says, but when you attempt tempted, he will also provide a way out so that we can endure it. And that way out is Jesus. In John 14, Jesus says, I am the, the truth, the light, and the way. So Jesus says he is the way, the way out of this wilderness for us. You know, he's the way for us, the tool we can use to get out of this this wilderness. You know, and something interesting about this wilderness I just want to share with you is, you know, if you look at the Hebrew word for wilderness, it's called medbar. Medbar is the Hebrew word for wilderness. And the root of that word can also be traced to voice or speak. Now, how amazing is that, that in the wilderness... You know, where you can hear absolutely nothing, the root of that is actually voice and speak. And if we go back to our heroes in the Bible, we can see this is evident. You know, Moses was walking with his father-in-law's sheep, and he saw a burning bush, and he left the sheep there. He turned away and walked through that, that burning bush, and there he heard God's voice. God spoke to him. God said to him what he wants him to do. He gave him direction at that point. We see in Elijah, he was standing atop of a mountain. You know, There was storm raging all around him. It was crazy. The next moment, there was an earthquake and the rocks were tearing away from the mountain. Then there was a fire you know, consuming about everything all around him. And he endured it. Then the next moment, everything was gone in that wilderness, and God spoke to him in a still, small voice. And he was there at the place to hear God's voice. He was at the right place to hear God's voice. You know, the wilderness is a place that God leads us into to take us away from all of our distractions. You know, to get us to get us all by himself, and for us to realize that we have to rely on Him for two things, provision and for protection. We see this with the Israelites as well. When they were wandering the desert, they were hungry, and they were moaning and groaning about how hungry they are. And God provided for them with manna. It also said that God gave a cloud by day so that the sun did not harm them, and a pillar of fire by night. Now, that's the protection that God has for them. And that's the thing that you learn when you're in the wilderness. You know, you'll never know that all you need is God until that moment when God is all you have. I'm just going to repeat that again. You'll never know that all you need is God until that moment when God is all you have. And God wants us to rely on Him for provision. You know, yes, it's fantastic to have, you know, savings bonds and insurance for dreaded disease and, you know, all of that fantastic stuff. It's great to have that. But if you put your trust in that, you don't trust in God for that provision, for that protection, for when something goes wrong, what happens then? So we don't need to be afraid of this wilderness experience. It's gonna happen, yes, it's not fun, it's uncomfortable, it's horrible, but we don't need to fear this. We need to embrace this wilderness experience, you know. Ask not what you can do for the wilderness, but what the wilderness can do for you. You know, there's something that we can get out of this wilderness situation, you know, and we read that in James one, verse two to four. It says, Dear brothers and sisters. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it opportunity for great joy. So when the trouble comes is when we are in the wilderness. Okay. So this is an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing how great is this? So if you're in the wilderness, be glad you're in the wilderness. You have an opportunity here to grow yourself a little bit. You know, the thing that most people in the corporate environment moans about the most is that their employer doesn't send them on enough courses to grow themselves. Now here you have this opportunity to grow yourself. To become better. To grow your faith in God. for provision. for protection. And then enduring this you will be fully developed, needing nothing. So let's go back to our heroes again. Let's see how they experienced it. We see Abram, when he was in the wilderness, was the time that you know, he became the father of faith. It was during that experience for him. Moses, you know, coming, being the prince of Egypt, coming into the wilderness, and at the stage when God spoke to him in the burning bush, Numbers 12 referred to me as the meekest man on earth. It changed him. We see David. When David was in the wilderness, he written most of the book of Psalms. How amazing is that? And it's during that experience that he became the man after God's own heart was in that wilderness. Because John was in the wilderness, he could be the man that was prophesied by Isaiah, saying, you are the voice in the wilderness, saying, prepare the way. It's because he was in the wilderness that he could have become the man that he wanted, that God planned for him to be. And they were tested. It was not easy for these guys in the wilderness. Most of them fled for their lives. It was harsh. The environment was hard. But they developed. Their faith grew. No, the endurance developed, and by the end of that time, when they stepped out of this wilderness, they could be who God wants them to be. And that is the whole key to this thing, is the fact that we need to step out of this wilderness. None of these guys' greatest works were done while they were in the wilderness. The stuff only happened for them, and in their lives, and through their lives, the moment that they stepped out of this wilderness. Sorry. And we even see this with Israel. The Israelites only became a force to be reckoned with that moment that they went through the Jordan River and starting to stand on the faith that they've learned in the wilderness. Starting with the endurance that know that God will provide. If God says... They can flatten these guys. They can go and do it because they know God does what He says He does. It was that experience that taught them that. But they had to go through the Jordan into their promised land before that could be fulfilled in their lives. So don't be afraid of this wilderness. We need to embrace this wilderness. In this wilderness, we need to learn to hear God's voice. We need to put away all of the dis- things that distract us from Him. All of our daily busyness, all of the fear, all of, you know, all of that stuff that just gets pats on us. We need to let go of that stuff and learn how to hear God's voice. Now the best way to do that is through intercession on a Sunday morning. I want to challenge you, if you haven't been to intercession yet, it's the best place to hone that ability to hear God's voice. Because the people that are praying there, they can hear God's voice. And if you sit there and you know, you're praying and you're feeling the scripture on your heart and somebody else reads that scripture, you know it's God. You have this picture and somebody else says that has the exact same picture of you. You learn how to hear God's voice in that place. So I want to encourage you to go for that. If you're sitting here and you're struggling to hear God's voice, do something about it. Because you'll not get out of the wilderness if you don't have direction to get out. But we will not be able to get out until we rely on Jesus. He's the one, the only one, that has ever defeated the wilderness by himself. We need to tap into the wisdom that he has for us. To the direction he has for us so that we can get the way out. We need to apply the things that we've learned into the wilderness so that when we step out into our promised land, that we could fulfill the plan God has for us. He's got amazing plans for you. You too can be one of the heroes of faith, but you need to step out of that wilderness. You need to accept that you cannot do it by yourself. You need God, but then you need to make a decision to step out. It's not going to happen automatically. It's not something that happens overnight. It's a decision that you have to make. I just want to share with you quickly, if, I haven't planned for this, but I just felt that I need to share my, a little bit of my testimony. Yeah, Just, just bear with me a little bit. So I, um, I gave my life to God at a very young age. I was 12 years old when I gave my life to God, 26 of February, 1979, 1997. I'm not that old <laughs> I look good for my age <laughs> so 1997, 1997, yes, I gave my life to God, and um, you know all through high school and so on, I was, I was really on fire for God, and then started nine and a trick game, and you know I was, I was part of the boys, and you know God got a little bit out of hand, and then it went to varsity and. You know, drifted a little bit further away, and it seems that I lost one wheel of my car every year. So thankfully, I only studied for four years. So by the end of four years, there were no wheels left. And uh, at the end of the year, I went with one. Of, we we were supposed to be a couple of friends that go that went to um, to Durban, and uh, some of them backed out and backed out and eventually we were just three people going, it's me and my friend and his girlfriend at that stage. So, you know, I was sort of like a third wheel on the wagon and it was it was a bit weird. But you know, it doesn't matter because I, I make friends quite easily, I have an outgoing personality, so you know, it's it's not a big thing. So we went to this this New Year's Eve party and it's just just down the road from where we where the house was where we stayed. And very early during this party that my friend and his girlfriend picked up some sort of fight, but they, they were fighting all the way, you know. It was, it was hectic. So they picked up a fight and they left. So I was left, standing there, and it was um, there was so many people there, and I was talking to these people, and now all of a sudden I stood there and I realized how alone I was. In the midst of all these people, You know, and I was talking to them and we were having fun. And then all of a sudden, I just realized that these people is not what I need. So, what I did, I went, I bought a beer and I went, (laughs) and I went and I, there was a, a, like this wall that you can climb up to. And I sat on that wall and I was looking out over the ocean, you know, and God spoke to me that day and he said, Is this the life that you want? You know, do you want the sort of relationship that this friend and his girlfriend has? Is this what you want? And I said, no, this is not what I want. And God says, if you keep on with what you're doing, this is where you'll end up. So from that moment, I made a decision. I said, I'm not going to do this. So I recommitted my life to God right there. I went home, I started praying, and then two months later I met my wife. And the fact of the matter is, if I have met her while I was still in the desert, she would have not been my wife today. So it's just being at the right place. You know, having that humility saying, I'm alone. No, I cannot do this by myself. And knowing what you want, knowing that God has a better plan for you, stepping out of that wilderness. I just want to read something. So the passage is Isaiah 35. It says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of God and the splendor. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way, and say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come, and He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there, and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. No ravenous beast. They will not be there. Only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return and they will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. We see here that 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 way... Out of the desert is a highway of holiness. No, it's the way out. God prepared that way for us. He had in mind that our wilderness become an oasis. It says here that only the redeemed will walk by that road. And we sang today, you know, by the blood of the Lamb, we are redeemed. In Luke 1 verse 68 says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. we've been redeemed and it's only by the blood and the power of Jesus that we can emerge victorious from these wilderness experience that we have. It's unavoidable. all of us will go through this wilderness experience. But if you have this survival guide, you know what's coming. You know what's going to happen. Be prepared, be willing to. Humble yourself. Look for the way. Because there is a way. And then once you're out, apply what you have learned in your wilderness. That faith that grew within you, learn to apply that. That endurance that you've learned. Endure for the sake of the kingdom. Because then God will take you into that promised land and you can fulfill the plans that He has for your life. You know,
0: Israel's going out of Egypt through the desert to the promised land started with the Passover. It started with the lamb that was slain and the blood of the lamb. Um, And the only way you can experience that rivers, those rivers in the desert. And so I also want to agree with what Danny said. You know, the desert is there to make us realize how much we need God. If you don't get thirsty in the desert, then you're missing the point of the desert. <laughs> Are you thirsty? If, if, you, if you realize that all the other things that you're drinking cannot quench your thirst, it, you know, if you don't realize that when you're in the desert then you'll never realize it. You know, that, that's the place of realizing that only God can quench your thirst. Only God, His living waters can quench your thirst. But before you can drink the living waters, you need to experience that Passover redemption. Like anyone was saying, it's, it's for the redeemed. It's the redeemed. You know what, what the word redeemed means? The word redeemed is a metaphor, is a a, a slave market metaphor. You redeem a slave when you pay for that slave and buy them out of slavery into freedom. And that's what the blood of the lamb, the Passover lamb, did for the Israelites. And that's what the blood of Jesus, the ultimate Passover lamb, does for us. It redeems us so that we can go through the desert as the redeemed who can drink from the living waters of God. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate communion. We celebrate the redemption of God. We celebrate the price. Jesus' broken body and he shed blood, which was the price that was paid to redeem us, to buy us out of slavery into freedom. Jesus, we want to thank you, Lord, for your broken body, Lord, which is represented by this, Lord, this bread, Lord, and, and just like this bread was broken, your is broken, Lord, your body was broken for us. Just like this bread is pierced and has holes in it, Lord, your body was pierced for us. Just like this bread has marks on it, Lord, your body was bruised for us. So that everything that our bodies were supposed to endure as slaves, Lord, your body endured in our place. And we thank you for it, Lord, and we receive it in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. Now, if you have not yet the light of this great sacrifice committed your life to, to, to Jesus, or if you feel you need to recommit it, I just want to give you a moment to actually do that before we drink the cup, because this cup, Jesus says, is the new covenant in my blood. I am the sacrifice. This is the blood of the new covenant that ratifies my covenant with you, my relationship with you as a covenant relationship. And if you, if you have not, never yet committed your life to Jesus or if you feel you need to recommit it, I just want you to close your eyes. Even if you, I mean, you know, Passover is something that happened every year for the Jews. And that happens even, you know, communion happens even more often for us. And, and it's inherently a covenant renewal ceremony. Take, take just a minute to renew your covenant with the Lord and say, Lord, I recommit myself to you. I, I, I remember again the covenant that you made with me, the, this new covenant. I commit myself to you just in your own words just close your eyes in your own words do that Lord, just, we just want to thank you that even as we sang what can wash away our sins what can make us new again nothing but the blood nothing but the blood of Jesus and we thank you Lord that we can just as we drink this cup now Lord just experience it as a covenant renewal ceremony thank you that we belong to you thank you that we were bought by you thank you that we were, have been cleansed by you we, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus name let's drink together Now, if you you feel like um, maybe you're in a bit of a a desert experience, um, I hope that what Enya shared has comforted you. There's not something wrong. It's probably the Holy Spirit who led you into the wilderness, just like the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness wilderness is not a bad place it's not like God has forsaken you in the wilderness he's still with you but if you feel like you're in the wilderness and you need to hear the voice of God you need to hear God speaking to you I just want you to come forward quickly we would like to pray with you so just come forward if, if at all you've, you register and need to hear from God to hear God's voice to hear God speaking to you you feel like you need a bit of a burning bush you feel like you need a bit of a still small voice speaking to you uh, whatever it is, just come forward. Right there we are, just come forward. Um, bring your handbag with you if you have a handbag or your stuff. Uh, and we're going to trust God together that He's actually going to speak to us. So just come forward and come stand here. And um, we're going to trust the Lord to, to speak to us. Um, if you're standing in front uh, just just lift up your hands to the Lord just in a gesture of surrender and just ask the Lord to speak to you and then as as they're standing in the front and praying and I just want to ask if there are any um, counselors people who can pray uh, who want to pray with with them could you just come forward um, as well and just make sure that everyone here standing in front, there's someone standing with them who can lay hands on them and pray with them. So, if you're a small group facilitator, or if, um, if you just want to come and pray, just just come and lay hands on someone and pray with them, and trust the Lord for for a word with them. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, that you are the one that leads us to the desert. that you're also the one that leads us through the desert and that while we're in the desert you actually speak to us, you mold us you make us, thank you Lord that the desert is a hot place Lord, where our faith is refined like gold to remove all the impurities and thank you Lord that you're doing this in our lives as we go through the desert Lord And, and I just want to pray Lord, especially Lord for those who are afraid because of the desert experience, because they feel they're not hearing your voice because they feel things are going wrong because they feel like they're not getting the breakthrough lord i just come against that anxiety now in jesus name we break the power of fear and we say god is with us even in the desert god is with us he's the one that brought us to this place uh, this desert place and he's the one who'll bring us through it and we just pray lord that our spiritual ears lord thank you lord for for the heat of the desert lord that it can melt the spiritual wax in our ears Lord so that we can hear your voice in Jesus name and, and we just pray that we'll hear your voice loud and clear Lord even if it's the still small voice that you speak to us with Lord that we'll hear it loud and clear in Jesus name we just bless every person with the ability to hear your voice now in Jesus name as you guys pray together when you to just really trust the Lord that he will speak to you and that you'll hear his voice Lord, as we close and as we continue in prayer, Lord, I just want to speak your blessing of your people, Lord God. Lord, and I want to pray, Lord God, that we'll be strengthened each one of us with might in our inner man, that we might know the height, the depth, the breadth, the width, the love of God that surpasses all knowledge, all understanding. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at
1: www.shofar.joburg.com.